kick it up again. Welcome to Luke's Talk Wine. My name is Luke and I work for a big wine company. My name is Luke and I work for a small wine company. <laughs> and today, what are we going to talk about? Oh, we're going to talk about corking with wine. I made that a topic and I remember writing that down. Also, we're going to talk about uh, buying wine for a dinner party. There's, there's so many avenues. That's like an eight-part series on that. Um, but first, we're going to task, mate, Luke Campbell, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? Well, thank you very, very, very much, Luke. Um, this week, I found myself deep in the streets of wine and popular culture. Moreover, cinema, actually. Wine in the oh, world man. of cinema. I found myself watching Sour Grapes late at night on Netflix, which is the documentary about... Um, Rudy Kerwines and, and the, the downfall of, um, you know, caused by buying rare bottles and, you know, selling them for staggering prices. But in the short term, he'd refilled them with wine that wasn't the real wine. Oh, what a genius. That sounds like a great plan. <laughs> what so a genius. This is, this, is, so. this, is fraud, this is frauding wine, is it? Well, absolutely. But... Then I started down the hall with that particular did documentary. He just, did, did he did he co- copy and paste any labels? Did he just make extra batches of stuff, or did he just buy original bottles and then uh, uh, siphon out through the cork? Well, no, they um, they bought bought original bottles and tampered yeah. with them effectively. But the yep. whole story, you know, he caused a stir by buying, you know, these massive bottle, big brands of bottles of wine and from the top players in wine, and then he began selling the wines back to them at half the price. But he was what he wasn't saying in the middle is he was refilling them with wines. That Why would he make wine. a lot? He's still making a loss on it. So what, he's just trying well, to buy really expensive stuff at half price. The whole, the, the shocking yet highly entertaining idea of this multi-million dollar scandal was that the upper echelons of the wine investment world kind of fell for it and that was the whole sour grape story he got busted and he, he might have actually he, he's done jail time, oh. <laughs> but um Otherwise, it just it's raised... a real surprise to his customers now they're watching netflix going hang on a <laughs> second but then it got me thinking wine kind of wine in the world of cinema it's a curious paradox it always gets this kind of narrow-minded treatment which usually takes you know, two forms, like it's either simply there as a set dressing, you know, as a device to develop the character or otherwise it's this there to show elitism or, you know, like a la James Bond or, or whatever. It's there to show a character's present, you know, like and if you go through the, you know. Like shout- uh, Bond would have the. Bond, uh, perfect the, example. The, the Bonds would have the Dom Perignon in, in early years, and then he moved on to the Bollinger Le Grand RNA. Yep. And all, all of those things. Fava beans and a nice Chianti. I, I, I can't tell the Hannibal last night ha- the correct, correct quote. Hannibal Lecter. In, um, yep. So but trying to show a... off being fancy, fancy pants by drinking fancy, fancy wines. That's it. So it's it's a so it's a class defining moment, effectively. But then I got to thinking about all the great films, you know, like Som, which was about the quartermaster sommeliers, or A Year in Burgundy back in two thousand and thirteen, which follows the vintage of Burgundy and 
Mondovino back in 05, which was about the global industry. Um, a, a customer and a friend actually said to me today about the comedy drama Bottle Shock, you know, like yep. there's been a lot of great wine films. Sideways is another great film. Yep. Um, it's a, yeah, I mean, your, your, your question with uh, wine in cinema is that, that, like, do you think it gets a bad rap or do you just, the way it's interpreted or? Well, I do. Like this sacred libation of ours and pharaohs before us and all the nobles, I think it, it, it tells a story and it gives us a gift of wine journey and the story behind it to us mere mortals. But in wine, it got me to thinking it just gets a bad rap of elitism, like when in fact, you know, you and I might be drinking $20 Malbec from Chile, you know, but just for the sake of it, because we enjoy it. We're no elite, no more elite wow. than the next person. You know, do you don't think there's a point or... to where wine does benefit from the idea of it being fancy? I mean, no. I know plenty of customers who love the idea of buying uh, fancy wines and expensive wines on the cheap, um, and they don't even have gone over this before with people who don't who just follow what a reviewer says. They're not even thinking about what they like to drink themselves. Well, that's a very good point you make, actually, because when you put it like that... They're drinking the image more so than the product inside. And the image that is portrayed on the silver screen is that James Bond drinks sparkling, even though he's a man. Drinks more. He drinks Bollinger. When does James Bond drink beer? Why does he drink real... Why does he drink a VB? When are we going to get a real Bond who's a real man (laughs) drinking VB? (laughs) <laughs> it is stubbies and singlet. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know if that's coming. I don't know if that's coming, but yeah. Aussie Bond in, in thongs. <laughs> driving a tractor. Maybe you've given me something to think about or consider further as far as wine and popular culture. But yeah, I just went down that hole and it started me to think. But um, And this is what this great conversation of ours is about, whether it be a conversation or a little podcast here, listeners. I think... I think we just have to think about wine for what it is and it's there It's to tell a story. Whether you're in big business like you, you probably don't even care about the stories, you big business brutes, but we do. I care about the story, mate. I do. It's I, all I, about I the do. story. Well, I think we've got to keep on reading, keep on watching, keep on listening and drinking and just falling in love with the story, I think, rather than just out and out driving it. Um, and I think I think Hollywood could do it better. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. That's what's been on my week this week. <laughs> well, let's, let's let's jump into the next topic: the uh, cooking of wine. I just gave that as a topic, and and then, now I've just suddenly realised that again, there's so much we can talk about with that. Do Ooh, you yes. cook with the wine that you drink, Luke? Absolutely, Campbell? absolutely, I do. Don't so you don't you, you're not one of be. these that just buys the. Uh, the cask of wine. I was quite worried about the performance of your business last last week when you started saying that you were selling cask wine now. I thought, oh, Campbell's small business is hitting a little bit of a rough pot spots, but maybe each to their own. 
Um, did I say did I say I was selling it or did I say I was tasting it? <laughs> Come on. Can't, sometimes one leads to the other, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Fair enough. But, uh, if you went back and you re-listened to our podcast, as I'm sure you have. <laughs> oh, now he's trying to get away from the cask wine industry. You were, we were just talking about how good the stuff was. Come on. <laughs> no, no, we love our families and friends who make bag-in-box wines, and absolutely. But, uh, no, I mentioned last week that how we were tasting and the wide and varied options that it now present themselves. But to your point, right now, in the here and now, do I cook with the wine I drink? Absolutely. If you're cooking with bad wine, you get bad food. Um, it was Stefano Stefano de Perry that said that, the great Victorian chef. Um, but What's, never what, a true word my, my understanding of cooking with wine is basically two things. This is all it's about, Campbell. You, you might have a more highbrow view of this, but red wine imparts colour. White wine imparts acid that helps break down the, and so does red wine, but that imparts uh, the, the acids that help uh, break down the meats and, and, and the other uh, proteins and things like that, that you're cooking the, cooking the uh, wine in or you're adding, so your crock of vines and your, your things like that. Outside of that, because you're cooking it, you're going to boil away alcohol, that's the idea, and you're also going to, boil away most of the other flavours. So other than colour and acids, what are you trying to get out of the wine? Well, just don't take all the fun out of it out of out of it cooking for us, Luke. Like if you have yeah, fun cooking if you have fun cooking with wine, it's about the flavour. Like white wine generally works well in seafood and chicken and pork. Yeah. Red red wines, you want those strong tenants, as you rightfully mentioned, to work with the proteins to break down those proteins, whether it be pork or salmon or even mushrooms which are high in protein like that red will go really well you don't necessarily want the alcohol you want uh the flavor like you know but do you think you're going to get flavors in terms of if you use a let's let's draw the big bows and say like an an 80 dollar puno that's got lots of funky earthy um false floor characters and if you throw that into the pot with your cockavan is that going to make, leave a completely different aromatic and, and flavor to the end result than a $12.50 one that has still some character it's not a bad wine but it doesn't have as many you know wine nuances from the glass just just think of wine as another ingredient like any ingredient you want the best quality going around that doesn't necessarily mean that $80 Shiraz is the best quality you might think your $25 Mendoza Chilean Carmenere is the best possible quality you can buy well that's it for you I I don't think we need to be rushing out and buying bottles of Grange to put in the spaghetti bolognese Luke but I've done that by the way my mother did that actually uh, to my um, cook with Grange. Yeah, she cooked with Grange uh, to my dad's absolute shock horror. Did she? Uh, but, did she know what she was doing? No, absolutely no idea. It wasn't just some sort of revenge meal. <laughs> no, like, it wasn't like, some sort of revenge. Like meal. serving off some uh, um, lamb's brains or something like that. So, Here you go, dear. <laughs> what do you call this? Rissoles. <laughs> no, I, I think it's all about the ingredients. It's all about what the ingredients. It's all about the ingredients. It's all about the quality of it. How to how to do it's a different story. Like 
You can't well, use you, too much of it. Out, what are you getting out of the diff, What are you getting out of the more expensive wine? I mean, I, I can tell you, I did a, a little mini scientific experiment. I did uh, a cooked with uh, a grange, not much of it, to be honest with you. We did we did drink the large portion, but we we did an experiment. We cooked with some of the grange, and we cooked with a um, a twenty five dollar um, Shiraz in a similar mould. Uh, so you're dealing with what at the time was about a five hundred, six hundred dollar bottle versus a twenty five dollar bottle, and in tasting the what did we produce? It was gravy, red wine gravy. At the end, there wasn't a lot of difference. Well, red, red wine gravy is probably not the most ideal uh, test subject because you just have to cook it down and reduce it. But if you were cooking something like a ceviche with champagne or if you're cooking something like a you know roast chicken with chardonnay or something where the flavor can get into the meat or, or the protein it's a different story making a gravy or a red wine jus you're actually cooking out all the flavor by its very nature so that's not exactly the greatest test subject luke who gave you advice on that i just liked red wine gravy so that's what we did that was <laughs> That was purely, but no, I think I think the way you're talking about it there, so you're saying that if you cook, uh, slow cook, if you're slow cooking something, you'll get some benefit out of a quality wine. But if it's a, a fast cook process, then you're not going to to see the wine flavour. No, that's it. That's perfect. Yes or no? No, no. <laughs> yes. Like that's, I couldn't have enunciated that better. That's yes, 100% correct. All right. So another, so I can continue to do my fast cooks with my um, uh, cheapo wine. I don't have yes, to spend any and, and, until I um, uh, decide that uh, I've got enough time, and then you know start pulling out the grand, the grand cru burgundies for the. Um, Keeping it simple, just cook with the wine you want to drink. Don't use too much of it. Don't use too little of it. Have some fun with it. Don't, don't use reds with strong tannins like Zinfandels or Nebbiolos. Don't use whites with ripping acids like Rieslings. So just, you know, and I think what you just What if you gotta, love Riesling? Well, if you love Riesling, then find something else that you can use. <laughs> just drink the whole Riesling. Get yourself some Semillon or something. <laughs> perfect. What a perfect substitute. Everyone who uh, loves Riesling should drink Semillon and vice versa. If you're cooking with the wine, serve it with your meal. You can't cook with a bad wine because you'll get bad food, right? What about if you use, um, don't forget you can use things like flat sparkling wines. Have a little bit of fun with it, right? You're going to get some flavors and use the wines to cook. If you do love Riesling, use the acid for ceviche or to cure some fish. Or if you really, really want to use Riesling, like, as I mentioned, like the, the, the flavour you're going to get in slow cooking these foods with these great, great wines is much better than just using your El Cheapo stuff. Like you don't have to stick, you don't have to be buying Grange, as we've mentioned, but it's just a simple ingredient and it can add a layer of complexity and a layer of deliciousness. It's almost sounded like you wanted to marinate the fish. Absolutely. Wines are great for marinades. They're great in sauces. They're great for protein, cooking in proteins. Um, yeah, they're, they're, it's very versatile. Cooking with wine can be very versatile. Cool. So, what, 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 what if you're going to start the um, a, a dinner? Uh, if uh, a, 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 let's go through a, a meal 
where everything is alcohol based. All right. Ooh, what's up with what, what's um What's what's the entree? What kind of oh no, we set up aperitif. What would you what say an aperitif for the not an aperitif, a um hors de vol or what's the uh the, the canapes. The canapes that might be floating around the 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 dinner party venue that has a alcohol wine well, it'd be bent in the process. Oysters in a champagne vinaigrette, a well, now you're so talking. A champ- no. So you, you, yeah. So you're using the champagne for the uh, vinaigrette. Awesome. Yeah, and then I would have maybe some some white fish, and you really love riesling, Luke. So I had some white fish cured in some riesling with just some kind of seasonal fruit, very small, and maybe a little bit of mint or parsley, just some very subtle herbs yep. into into a main meal. You'd have to be, you know, if you do something slow cook, but. I actually like, um, I, I love the old faithful beer canned chicken, but it's actually wine canned chicken. So you get that can, heat up the barbecue, you get the can, you half fill the can with a good white wine, whatever the white wine you might be drinking. Hopefully it's a wooded Chardonnay. Uh, stick your chicken, tick the, stick the can with the wine in the cavity, put it on your barbecue upright, 180 degrees, about oh, 55 minutes just till it's brown and crackly. And that so the, wine the can boils, the boils the and permeates in, and it just keeps this bird so moist and succulent. Serve it up with some bacon lardons and sweet potato mash, and away you go. And then you could probably even finish that if you didn't want to use, um, you know, just go the old cheese and wine match. You could finish a dessert, something like a chocolate fondant that would have either some deep Shiraz in it or a little bit of Grenache in the actual chocolate and sugar mix that you would cook and set in the oven at about 120 degrees in a bain-marie for 45 minutes and you would get a lovely chocolate and Shiraz fondant to finish. That'd be me. Jeez Louise, you've thought about that. That sounds like something you've actually done. (laughs) You asked. I delivered. (laughs) They call me the postman, Luke. (laughs) Well, if you want to send some post through to Luke Campbell, you can here at lukestalkwine at gmail.com. Uh, as we had the question about, you know, what wines do we put together for a dinner party? We've had the actual meals, but I was, um, this question came about in building a, a dinner party uh, yes. box for some, for someone. And I said, what, what would you put in for a dinner party? And it does really come down to what sort of foods uh, people want. But I, you know, as we've discussed on the show before, start off with a sparkling, yep. some sort of sparkling. And I actually was suggesting a sparkling rosé as something that could go with quite a few different things and actually um, what a great idea. be a lot of fun. Yep, perfect way to start. Uh, so what was, what was the question? So what, what question came in? The next question, next topic, what was the question? It's wines, wines to buy for a dinner party. What to buy? Ooh, yes. For yes. A party. Oh, good one. Good one. And so, yeah, yeah starting off with the sparkling rosé is what I was picturing. Um, yep. And would that go for your oysters? It probably that would. Oh, Absolutely. If, if you go with any, wouldn't you want it, your champagne to be with your champagne vinaigrette be the same champagne? Oh, uh, well, you would. You would. Absolutely, you would. Yeah, yeah. You probably would. You could substitute that for a Wolverine or sparkling white, but, you know, <laughs> counts in the same sort of bracket. Uh, 
then what 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 was your you, you talked about riesling and, and fish. Yep, but, I had a white fish riesling ceviche, absolutely, yep. with a little bit of fruit. So yep, maybe and, and but a riesling is also versatile for other kind of fish based dishes. So you can yep. that's a that's a safe bet for something to have on hand for for you meals. You could swap it out. You could swap it out for a salmon if you if you wished. Yep, uh, chardonnay with your chicken. So you've got. Yep. That you can, as you said, for your barbecue can shot uh, chicken. Yep. Um, and hopefully some with a little bit of oak. If we're thinking about Christmas time, we're probably thinking of things that are also um, uh, hams and well, uh, barbecues for me. So yep. I'm thinking, oh, well, sparkling Shiraz is, is my go to for barbecue. And barbecue. Yep, perfect. Uh, Great minds there. Of, cook up a bit of uh, brown, black, blackened meat, and, and yep. chew your way through a, a sparkling Shiraz. Mm, um, yeah. I'd go with the ham, maybe Pinot or Gamay. Yep, Pinot, Gamay, touch a Merlot at a stretch, depending on the flavourings on the ham. Yeah. But you know, like, you take something different to a different party, and you, you actually. You know, mentioned earlier in the series, Luke, that if you're looking for something if on a wine list or if you're in a bottle store and there was something a little bit left of centre and that would be what you would pick for a very good reason because, you know, someone's gone to the effort to put it there. And I often would take something, being in the industry, I would often take something different. You know, we mentioned I mentioned a Malbec earlier in the in the episode, or a Carmenere, or I would take something always a little bit different. So there's a, all of a sudden there's a story there, and people talking feel point. less a talking point. So people just to automatically feel like l- less intimidated, and they can talk about it, and you know, no, yeah, no one, you don't no one want knows to talk about, about each other's lives and or your yeah. friends. Yeah. And if you, you, don't if want, you to want to, skirt, as soon as someone starts talking about whether or not they should be vaccinated or not, you can pick up the bottle of wine and say, oh, hmm. 2013, hey, that's a yeah. good year. And, oh, Carmenere, geez, couldn't spell that when I was young. Carmenere, yeah, hey, uh, who makes that? That's exactly right. So the, the, all of a sudden you've got uh, a, another topic in play and p- people, are, people are instantly... Put at ease. There's no anxiety related there because no one knows anything about Carmenere or Mendoza and Malbec or whatever it might be. And so there's, I've taken something different, but it's also a talking point. And I really like that aspect when you're showing up at a dinner party. Like it, it, it works in reverse too. Like people say, "Oh, geez, you're a sommelier. I never know what to bring you." Well, bzz, wrong. I drink absolutely anything that's wet. Um, so, <laughs> well, so, and I always enjoy new wine. Campbell, it's got to be if 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 you have to uh, look at the price tag, you shouldn't be buying it. Well, that's it. Agreed. Fair bump. Play on. Um, what else is? Oh no, no. But on, on that, yeah, we, mm-hmm. I was trying to put together a, a mix pack with someone, and then it, was, it became a bit of a, a stubborn moment, but. Um, I was trying to insert things like a, um, a Loire Shannon um, into, the, into the pack as something a little bit left of centre, old uh, 2012 Cabernet from Margaret River. You know, not everyone gets into aged wine, and 2012 Cabernet is, well, you technically say it's aged, but it's not that old. Nope. But something different like that, that'd be fun. That'd be loads of fun. I think if you're... 
using varieties like Shannon, uh, if you're picking wines from different regions, as you so put it eloquently there, I think all of a sudden people are pushed out of their own comfort zones and they might find a match they really love, you know, Shannon Blanc, you know, and crab or uh, those richer seafood, Shannon Blanc and um, chicken, you know, Shannon Blanc and yeah. salt and pepper squid. These, these all work great because of the, the, those, um, you know, cordial like flavors of Shannon Blanc that can be so delicious because it's generally up dry. Well, that's what I said. I said the um, you know, Chardonnay is, is entry level, easy to access. Everybody can get into a Chardonnay. You throw in a Chenin Blanc and also, as you touched on, seafood. Aussie Christmas prawns, I think a Chenin alongside that would, would work lovely. Perfect. Absolute per- match made in heaven. What about a, uh, a versatile dessert wine? Now, there's many things that could be labelled for dessert wine these days, but um, mm-hmm. where, where's your brain go? Uh, I I always love um, you know it's in the reasoning family, but I always love a little a little little bit of a musket or, or or something you know like um you know uh, in in Australia it might be a topaque or it's not quite as heavy as a port. It can be chilled. Um, it's very, very versatile. It can go with chocolate, it can go with cheese, it can go with fruit. It's yep. a, still a fortified wine, but, uh, you know, I, I love a musket. They're usually softer, Luke. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be, I'm, I'm, see, my brain just thinks of um, Christmas pudding, uh, port, something a bit heavier. Oh, yes. uh, even uh, just a tawny, just a bit of fun tawny. Um, that would be great. Twitized or pavlova. And your betwitized uh, semion, get yourself a, a little bit of aged uh, uh, de Bortley number. Sit around with a, a pav, and that uh, put the kids to bed. They don't, you don't have to worry about anything else for the rest of the day. Yes, that's a great call. Yeah, any any betwitized dessert semion is a yeah, walk up starter for that type of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Those, I think I think that sort of gives you a few keystones for your dinner party. Um, is any of that what you're going to be drinking this week? What are you drinking at the moment, Campbell? It's a very good point you ask, actually. I have had the last couple of days uh, Sands beverages, but I had a few lovely, lovely Chardonnays over the weekend. I actually had a Chardonnay. Oh, the rosé train has come to a halt. It, it has come to a halt, quite rightfully, and it came to the halt with a um, one of those wood-driven styles of Chardonnay from Orange in the central ranges of New South Wales, of all places. Uh, a swinging bridge wine, a single vineyard, which when I drilled down on it and gave I thought I was looking at my glass and nosing the nose and thinking, gee, this is a lovely drop. And when I drilled down on it, the Chardonnay, would you believe it? And you'll like this, Luke. It came off the old original Balmoral vineyard in Orange. So um, it was, you know, if you remember those diamond label orange label gold they used to call it of the rosemount gold label chardonnay yes. and uh the about their top flight wine the balmoral well this wine came off that vineyard and it was a tom ward uh swinging bridge wine gosh it was lovely it was their single vineyard you know mid-level 25 buck chardonnay mrs payton named after tom's mother or grandmother for that matter but oh it was delicious it had all this pawpaw and stone fruit and beeswax about it and it was just one of those bottles you enjoyed from 
the start to the finish, Luke Morris. Orange isn't really one of those regions that you traditionally think as being a uh, a cornerstone of Australian wine. It's no, like, very uh, true. You know, regions that flow off the tongue are things like the Adelaide Hills and the Barossa and the Yarra Valley and uh, Margaret River and um, Hunter. And uh, then little scallywags out there who've uh, been keeping themselves busy over the years. You've got something like Orange. Yes, Orange. It has a very um, checkered history. It's obviously quite high. And it's a um, very cool climate. Um, and so, yeah, great why is for it, Why is it checkered, paper. Campbell? Well, it's checkered because of the reasons you just quite dutifully stated there. It's not often thought about. It's, huh. uh, it's a fair way out west. Um, it's, you know, it's had some great producers come and go, like Rosemount, um, you know. But, yeah, a lot, there's some stonking good wines coming out of there now. You know, all those wild oat wines come out of there. The Robert Oatley, some of the Robert Oatley stuff comes from out there. There's some great producers. David Lowe was there for a time. I'm not sure if he's still there. Um, yeah, but there's been some wonderful, wonderful producers out there. You know what? Rosemount. I haven't seen a bottle of Rosemount wine for a while. I've, I've, I've walked around my local shops and things trying to get a gauge of what's happening in the... I, I can't remember the last time I saw a bottle of Rosemount Anything that classic red label or blue at the, the, the uh, not triangular but the um, diamond label, as he, as he said, what's what's going on for Rosemount these days? Are they still well too much oak inside of things and and making people <laughs> pay for it? <laughs> Rosemount was uh, went down the hole with. Uh, a lot of Southcourt producers, um, ah. you know, it's it's now owned by Treasury Wine Estates, which owns the iconic um, red labelled number from South Australia. It can come from any vintage, any time, anywhere that make very expensive wines. But that's, um, a, that's a great motto for a company in a wine company. Well, it wine, seems to anytime, work. anywhere, any vintage is in the bottle. It's all the that's same. It. It's all the same. Give us some sold money. all over the sold all over the world. You pay me the money, and we'll keep telling you the story. Oh, mate! Yesterday, a friend of mine told me how. Uh, uh, yeah, this is Penfolds. They they they've released a, a wine claiming that it's it's now globally released, and it's like, what do you mean it's globally? Everything's global. We're globally on the globe. Released. Where else are you going to release it? It's now released on Mars. You dickhead! Grow up, Penfolds. <laughs> Uh, well, that's about the gist of it, but that's where Rosemount is now. So you don't see a lot of it. Treasury owns it. It'll be sold in, you know, the the, the, the bottle stores at the back of Whoopal. It's going and, the way uh, of Kaiser Stoll. Absolutely, it's the way Kaiser Stoll. In, incidentally, it's owned by the same company. Yep. <laughs> no, nah, that's the, the the gobbling gobbletron that is the. They're not as good as lolly gobble bliss bombs, but the the. Penfolds boys are uh, chewing their way through the industry one vineyard at a time. Well, that's it. And got got spat out. Gee, I don't know when Southcorp, but Southcorp had all those great labels, including Penfolds. And, uh, yeah, it just, I don't know when they all went bad. Like in the, in the late, you know, Well, when 90s. they tried to merge with a Foster's. Yeah. That's when it went bad. Yeah. But that was late 90s, I reckon. Anyway, but we've gone off on a tangent, a Rosemount tangent, but... In the in their day, they were um, 
they were top of the pops, including the Balmoral Shirar and Balmoral Chardonnays, which is where we started in Orange. Um, yeah, no, I'm happy for us to go on tangents, mate. That's, well, we do on this podcast of ours, which is great. Yeah. Luke's Talk Tangents, that's uh, what you've been listening to today. Uh, <laughs> thanks for your time. Uh, thanks, Nick Brown, for the YouTube music. Thanks, Luke Campbell. I'll chat to you in a week's time. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. <laughs> okay, Tony. Bye. <laughs> Vinified are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au